Welcome, welcome, welcome women to another exciting episode of Relentless, the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Janae Bryce, and this is where we can't stop, don't stop, we won't stop. Welcome again to another lesson for the ladies, and it proves to be a good one today. Um, as is my custom, I would like to give a sincere shout out uh, to those churches, nonprofits, and other organizations who have supported myself and my ministry down through the years. Um, so today's special shout out goes out to Wings of Love Ministries, co-pastor Cheryl Gilbert. God bless you, woman of God. I remember our fellowships down through the years. Um, you've always been a faithful, on fire woman for God. And I thank you for allowing me to share with you. I'm praying your strength, even at a time like this. So, women of God, I want to be a bit transparent right now and tell you that I um, had a rough week. I have wept much concerning the plight of our world. Um, so even in the midst of my praying and asking the Lord what to share, um, once he gave me the go ahead to share this lesson, I just marvel at the fact that he is so in tune to where we are even right now. So even prior to finding out some things that happened later in the week, the Lord shared this word with me. And it is so appropriate for such a time as this. And so with that, our lesson today is going to come from Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Nehemiah chapter 2. Verses 17 and 18. And again, I'll be reading from the King James Version of the New, or excuse me, the Old Testament scripture, Nehemiah. It's in the Old Testament. <laughs> Nehemiah 2, 17 and 18. Um, and we're going to get some help today. Because the person in this story was going through a tough time, not just personally, but for him globally, his people and his beloved city were in ruins. This story was very appropriate, very um, apropos for the times in which we live now. So again, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. And it reads, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. They strengthened their hands for this good work. So let's jump right in to what's going on. Um, I have learned through communicating down through the years that um, it's good to have everybody literally on the same page, on the same page. It really makes communication better when we um, are following along and, and, and the speaker builds a bridge from where the speaker is to where the listeners are. 
And one way I have found to do that is to define our terms. So we're talking today about women on the wall. Come on, say that with me. Women on the wall. It's going to make sense if you stay with me. So definition number one, women. So women is the plural noun of the singular noun woman. And because I looked up the definition, I'm going to share it with you. Woman, according to Webster, is an adult female person, woman. And those of you who know me know that that definition, though it may be correct, it's really not accurate enough to really um, encapsulate or include all the things that we are. So years ago, I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit gave me this definition for the word woman. That mature member of the female persuasion whose stripes have been earned by the lessons she's learned. And again, y'all know it means she's been there and done that. Bought the t-shirt, wrote the book. It means she is different than man. For when men are straight, women have curves. Amen. Amen. Women are also different than girls. We've got some what we call mother wit. Some wisdom under our belts. It means we've earned the gray hair, the wrinkles, and that little extra weight. We've been there and done that. Women. And I also love the fact that it is plural. We're not talking about a woman on the wall. We're talking about women, women on the wall. It means it's inclusive that we're not in this thing by ourselves. Yes, you might feel like you're struggling, but but there's another woman who's struggling too. reach out to her. Let her know, girl, I got you. We in this thing together. We are women on the wall. We've got work to do. Somebody say amen. So with those definitions in mind, we've got three points and we're going to be out of your way. There's something about women on the wall. It speaks to our readiness. It speaks to our willingness. It speaks to the fact that we've got something that we're going to use for the glory of God. And we're going to use for the good of our people. Women on the wall, it means we're not afraid. We're going to do what we need to do to keep our family safe, to, to keep our world going as we know it. Women on the wall are fearless. Come on, we're relentless. Can't stop. Don't stop. Won't stop. So point number one, women on the wall tell the truth. Again, women on the wall tell the truth. Verse 17 says, then said I unto them, ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Nehemiah was a prophet of God, but he was also a human being. He wasn't an angel. He was not perfect. He had feelings and emotions just like the rest of us. And aren't you glad that God uses ordinary people? I love the stories in the Bible because they show us God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things when they put their faith in God. I love it. They're not superhuman. They are just human who accomplish great feats when they are used by God. So although we start in chapter two, verses 17 and 18, um, like every other human being, Nehemiah has a backstory. 
There's a backstory to this. How did he come to tell other people that, that Jerusalem lieth waste, that there's a problem somewhere? What happened? Ask, tell your sister, what happened? Ask her, what's going on? So to find out, we go back to chapter one, verses one through four. So now we're going to go back a bit. See, it helps to um, find out a little bit about somebody. Because you might be meeting them at one particular point in their lives, but you don't know what got them there. Come on, somebody. That's why we should stop judging people. They might be having a bad day today. If you had called them yesterday, everything would be all right. You don't know. That's why the backstory is important. Chapter one, verses one through four. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. And it came to pass in the month of Cheslu in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, somebody I knew and trusted, came, he and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, those that got away, which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction. And reproach the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah had gotten some bad news. They'd already been taken into captivity. But now the whole city is burned down. The walls are burned down. They are a reproach, a laughingstock, a joke. And it caused Nehemiah to do five things. This bad news. This situation, the facts of this situation caused Nehemiah to do five things. The Bible says he sat down. He wept. He mourned. He fasted and he prayed. He sat down. There are some things I don't care how strong you think you are will knock your legs right from under you. Yes, we think we're strong and, and we, we're CEOs of this and we're prayer warriors and we're anointed and we have degrees and we are educated. Yes, but you are also human and some things will cause you to have to sit down. Legs get wobbly. The facts of the situation just 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 knock the wind right out of you where you have to sit down. Then the Bible says he wept. Whoever said grown men don't cry? Whoever said big girls don't cry? All of it is a lie. God gave us tears as a release mechanism. It is a catharsis. The ability to cry is really a blessing from God because you have to let that stuff out. Come on, the state of our city, the state of our homes, the state of our country, the state of our state, the state of this world ought to make you cry. Hmm. Nehemiah sat down. He wept. He mourned at everything he looked at, everything he found out, all the facts of the situation and what he could see with his own eyes. Those things made him mourn, grieve over the losses. You ought to be grieving over the losses. The losses due to COVID-19. The over 100,000 people dead as a result of this virus. 
old people, middle-aged people, young people dead as a result of an invisible mem- uh, as as a result of an invisible enemy. The thing we have racial tension. So not only are we dealing with isolation and being on lockdown for nearly 3 months, isolated from coworkers, family, friends, we have young people in our family who are seniors this year and can't even walk. Loved ones have died. We can't congregate. We are sad. Our emotional health is suffering. Some things ought to make you cry. Ought to make you sit down and think about this thing. Take a deep breath. Weep about it. Mourn. And then the Bible said he fasted. See, fasting is not a popular um, exercise in Christendom. Because fasting means you forego food. You, 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 you deliberately deny yourself um, food to starve out the flesh in order that you would feed the spirit. See it's, see, it's not popular. But the Bible says, oh, some things are only coming out through fasting and prayer. See, see we're in trouble. And if God doesn't fix this, it won't get fixed. Finally, the Bible says he prayed Oh, who did he pray to? The God of heaven. See, it's good to talk to other people. It's good to glean wisdom from your elders. And and it's good to seek counsel from those that you trust. Uh, That's wonderful. But to see, oh, there are some situations that man can't fix. You got to bypass the middleman and take this thing straight to God. Tell him only you, Lord can make a crooked thing straight. And I'm going to wait right here until you fix it. The Bible says, let they that trust in God not be put to shame. We're trusting on God to fix it. Somebody asked how long? Somebody said not long. God sees. He knows. And he's going to fix it. Tell your sister he's going to fix it. Stay on the wall. So the background is Nehemiah 1, 1 through 4, where we find out trusted friends of his came to tell him what was really going on. See, you need people who are going to tell you the truth so that you then can turn around and tell somebody else the truth. We don't need your spin on it. We don't need your opinion about it. We need to look at the facts as they are. And let me throw this in for free. You're not going to tell me I don't see what I see. I'm capable. Thinking, feeling human beings can see for themselves. I don't need your narration. I don't need your spin on it. I don't need you to tell me I didn't see what I saw. Tell your sister, tell the truth. Tell the truth. And the truth is, we are in turmoil. There is great sadness across this land. Isolation, sorrow, depression, anger, anxiety, angst. We are in trouble. We're in trouble. Racial tension boiling over. Financial crisis boiling over. We've got to tell the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. We, God loves the truth. We have to tell the truth. See, it's the truth that allows you to make sound decisions. It's the truth that allows you to be free. Tell your sister, tell the truth. 
You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You're a mess. It's in a mess. The walls of Jerusalem were burned down. There was no more protection because you see walls are erected so that danger is detected and those inside are protected. Nehemiah says something is wrong. We don't even have walls around our city. We are a reproach, a joke. Help us, Lord. There are problems and this thing is too big for us. When it's too big for man and you've done all you can, it's just right for God. I heard Deborah Henderson say that. So if we're going to be women on the wall, we have to, number one, tell the truth. We've got to tell the truth about the plight that we are in. We got to tell it like a T.I. is. We can't go around sugarcoating. We got to tell it like it is. So women on the wall tell the truth. Secondly, women on the wall tell the people. Again, verse 17, telling the people, then said I unto them, circle them, ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. We got to tell the people why, um, because each of us has a sphere of influence. Starting in our own homes. Amen. There are people who will listen to what we have to say. So it was with Nehemiah. Somebody was paying attention to what he had to say. After Nehemiah talked to God in, in, in chapter one. He talked to the people over whom he had influence. Let me throw this in for free. You may not be a preacher in a pulpit, but you are an ambassador of Christ. Your voice matters at a time like this. Speak up. Somebody is listening to you. Nehemiah captivated his audience because Jerusalem was so important to them. It was as important to them as it was to him. See, let me throw this in for free. You got to surround yourself with people who value what you value. If right and righteousness is important to you, surround yourself with people. Who agree because the Bible says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? You need to be around people who, who feel the way you feel. Who believe in fairness. Equal justice under the law. Come on. We have to, number one, tell it like it is. We got to tell the truth, but we also have to tell the people. We need to rally around what is right and trust God to fix it. Verse 18 says, then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. As also the king's words that he has spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. It wouldn't have worked if they didn't believe Nehemiah. See, your, your reputation is important. That's why wise leaders, wise counsel, wise people who stand out in front will always have a following. Why? Because wisdom comes from God. 
So he told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. Nehemiah was sharing with the people what he heard God say. See, folks need to know that you're moving out in the will of the Lord. They're not interested in you and your abilities. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They believed him because they knew him. And if you are being led of the Lord, good success will follow. God told Jeremiah, be not afraid of their faces. He told Joshua, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Lead. Not only with courage, but with wisdom. While you're telling the truth, you got to translate that to the people so that it becomes a righteous cause. It's important that you tell the people. Because people are important to God. That's the whole reason Jesus died. He died to save us from our sins. People are important to God. Nehemiah told the people and in turn the people told him, it's all good. We're going with you. If the Lord is with you, I'm going with you. If you say the Lord's hand is with you, then we will strengthen our own hands. Count on us. You need some people who are in your corner who will not only stand up for the Lord, but who will stand up with you. It's important that we tell the truth. See, people don't need your opinion at a time like this. We need the truth. And if you tell the truth, it's easy to tell the people because see, the truth don't need no backup. It's a lie you got to keep chasing down. Got to remember what you keep what you said last time. And wait, you wait, what? You got to remember what you said and go back and try to fix the story. See, the truth don't need no backup. Tell your sister, tell the truth. And then it's easier to tell the people. Tell the people. Be honest. You got to tell them this is what we're up against. These are the steps we need to take to get change, real change. To eradicate this invisible enemy called COVID-19. What do we do? We need the facts. We got to tell the truth. Then tell the people who are in your sphere of influence because they are listening to you. Thirdly, we've got to tell the devil. And I, I said that and I mean it. We've got to tell the devil. Now let's look at Nehemiah 2 and 20. 2 and 20. Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Oh, 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 come on here. What is say? He, now, you got to understand. Then said I answered I unto them. So who is this them? This them, T-H-E-M, is different from the them. In verses 17 and 18. Okay. In 17 and 18, Nehemiah is talking to people of like minds, fellow Jews, people who see the situation and want to do something about it. They want to construct. They want to build. Come on. You need people who going to build up, not tear down. Come on here. Come on. Did you hear what I said? And we have to make a real difference, real change. And if it's going to be real, it's going to be led of the Lord. So, so that them in verses 17 and 18 is talking about people of like minds. But there's something happened. Um, 
in 19. Something happened in 19. Let, let, let me read this. This is good. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, uh, the servant, the Ammonite and Geshem, the Arabian heard it. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you think you're doing? Will ye rebel against the king? See, no matter what good work you're trying to do, it's always going to be somebody hating somewhere. It's always going to be haters. Always going to be haters. Sam Ballot. Tobiah and Gisham, these three decided to heckle. Come on, to talk about, to verbally tear down the work of the Lord. See, it's always going to be haters. You're always going to encounter enemies. You're always going to encounter somebody who does not want you to succeed when you're doing something in the name of the Lord. But tell your neighbor, uh, the devil is a liar. We are strengthening our hands for a good work. Now look, in verse 19, Sam Ballard, Tobiah, and Gisham started some mess. They wanted to discourage the work, trying to stop and block all of their progress. <laughs> they tried to get some static started. See, back in the day, that's what you would call it, static. <laughs> They're trying to get you to stop trying to discourage you. Trying to oppose the work of the Lord. But tell your sister, it never fails. The devil's main goal and chief aim is to cast doubt on the word of God. He wants you to doubt what you know you heard God say. What you know God wants you to do. What you know is right. But here they come stirring up trouble. Just like the devil and his folks. Look at how he handles them though. And I, I, I like Nehemiah. I like him because again, he tells it just like it is. The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Because I already had a talk with him. See, you see me standing here. You didn't see me praying last night. Uh, you see me crying about the state of this world, but you didn't hear what the Lord told me about it. See, the God of heaven will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion, no right, no memorial in Jerusalem. In other words, Nehemiah shut him down and said, who are you? You don't have anything at all to do with God and his plans for me. You don't know. You wasn't there. You don't know when and you don't know where. There are times when you will have to stand flat-footed and tell the devil, not today. Now, yesterday you had me. Yesterday I was really broke down about this. But see, something happened between midnight and morning. I got new mercies and joy on top of it. Not today. Yesterday, I felt defeated and felt like giving up. Yesterday, I bemoaned the state of this country and this world. Yesterday, you had me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but devil, you messed up. You let me make it through the night. And I've got a double blessing, joy, that came in the morning and mercies that I knew. I've come to encourage you women on the wall. Lamentations 3 says, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. It's because of your mercies that we are not consumed. Thy compassions faileth not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I belong to God. Women on the wall, here is the souvenir. Number one, tell the truth. Don't sugarcoat it. You got to tell it like a T.I. is. Number two, tell the people. Be honest. God will send people to help. When you have a righteous cause, God will send you the help you need. People who got your back. 
as you standing up leading. Women on the wall, number three, tell the devil, Satan, the Lord rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You are a defeated foe. We win. Why is this important? Because this is just chapters one and two. Oh, but we get Nehemiah four and six where it says, so built we the wall for the people had a mind to work. Nehemiah wasn't just selling wolf tickets like my daddy would say. Nehemiah trusted in God and they got the work done. But don't stop at Nehemiah 4. Now you got to go on to Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah 8 and 10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. We can do it, ladies. You can make it, women. Because we are women on the wall. Strong, courageous. Why? Because it's a righteous cause. And we are on the Lord's side. God bless you, women. See you next time. Bye-bye.